Welcome, everyone, to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I am Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. What is up, Todd? Hey, Corey. All right, so it's a big week. Uh, let's jump into, I got a number of topics that I think will be interesting to, to discuss about the about the election. This is basically our election 2022 pre, uh, preview episode. So for starters, uh, the overwhelming majority of Utahns will vote by mail for this election. I've voted. I know you have. A lot of folks listening have. Uh, we've discussed this subject before. Some number of people have continued to worry about the security of our election administration here in the state. And it's also true that some folks still have some lingering concerns following the 2020 election. We're not here to relitigate what happened in 2020, but it is worth asking how voters feel today going into this election this week. Well, Deseret News and the Hinckley Institute of Politics polled Utah voters on that very question, and I thought it was pretty interesting. The survey found 89% of Utahns are confident, is the word they used, including 46% who are very confident the state and local government will conduct a fair and accurate election uh, on Tuesday. That's up 8% over the same poll, uh, the same survey earlier this year. So again, 89% overall broken down upon, down uh, party lines. The poll shows high degree of confidence among self-identified Republicans. This might be surprising to some folks, but 88% of Utah Republicans are confident that the election will be secure. And, and for ni- Democrats, it's 91%. And unaffiliated voters, 87%. So, Todd, I think this is a good thing. Uh, we need to make sure ballots are secure, that avenues for bad behavior are blocked. Voters need to have faith in the Utah's elections administration, and, and it seems like they do. What, what are your thoughts on, uh, on the security of this election? I don't want to dismiss people's legitimate, heartfelt concerns. Um, one thing I, I like to repeat often is we don't have a statewide election in Utah. We have... 29 county elections that are conducted simultaneously, and we don't have any national elections. We have about 2,500 county elections nationwide. And so, um, first of all, you know, I don't believe that, you know, Dominion machines are changing votes from Trump to Biden. I I don't believe that. And the evidence hasn't been there. Um, And the, the, the last thing I'll say, Corey, is we've never in the history of our country, we've never had a perfect election. This election will not be perfect, but that doesn't mean that there will be massive voter fraud. I know there's people that believe it. I'm not one of them. Um, and uh, the very few people that have been prosecuted for the 2020 election uh, for voter fraud, the, the majority of them were were trying to cast extra votes for Trump, the ones that I've heard about, at least. And um, and so I, I have, in terms of Utah, I have very little concern. I, I'm not going to say that some missionary's mom isn't going to try to sign a ballot for the missionary that happens in Utah a couple hundred times every election cycle. I'm not going to say that some dead person doesn't have a ballot mailed to their house and some of their family fill it out. Some of those things gonna, are going to happen, but it's going to be one-tenth of one percent. Um, it's not going to be enough to change the outcome of any statewide election. We have what ought to be the final polls for the Utah Senate race. We've talked about so many of these. Let's walk through these last ones. And then, Todd, you and I can give our our final predictions. So Emerson College polling, they had a survey of Utah voters, found that Republican Mike Lee has 49% support and unaffiliated candidate 
Ed McMullen has 39% support. Undecided voters were asked whom they would lean towards supporting if they had to. And with their uh, support calculated, allocated, Lee's lead remains 10 points, um, 50 to 40 over McMullen. So there's some fascinating cross tabs I think that are worth mentioning. Lee holds the majority of support among Republican voters. He leads McMullen among Republicans 71 to 23. I mean, so I think that's that's a pretty outstanding stat because Utah obviously is overwhelmingly uh, Republican. McMullen has a 10-point lead among independents, so I guess that's good for him, 46-36. I think a lot of independents are probably, um, you know, Democrats. But uh, among Democratic voters, he leads 71 to 6. Uh, but for all the <laughs> I want to meet the 6% of Democrats who are voting for Mike. Lee. Well, that, I, I, that's a fascinating <laughs> person. And, hey, and if you're, if you're out there and you are one of the 6%, please, uh, you know, give us a shout-out on, on Twitter. We'd love to talk with you. But... Uh, for all the criticisms that McMullen has leveled against Mike Lee for being disliked, and of course that was part of the criticism during the, the primary as well against Mike Lee, this poll found that Senator, Senator Lee is viewed favorably, uh, 52%, unfavorably, 44%. So 52-44, that's a plus eight favorability. Evan McMullen, on the other hand, his favorability is 41% and unfavorable, 47 So he has a minus six. <laughs> That's pretty damning and, and really doesn't bode well. And, and, but but let's be honest, I think they're both doing better than Joe Biden right now, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you know, kick them all down. But uh, again, like Lee, Lee's the biggest criticism against him is that nobody likes him. And you know, there are people who don't like him, that's for sure. But there are more people who, who don't like uh, Evan McMullen in the state. Um, and uh, this Emerson poll is a good quality poll. 825 very likely voters. They use landlines and cell phones and uh, and online. So I think that uh, that's a good quality poll. One more, uh, another quality poll, OH Predictive Insights. We've we've quoted some of their stuff over, over this year. Uh, they released the, a, a poll this week showing Lee ahead 51-36. And there's an interesting stat from their crosstabs as well. Nearly 90% of Lee voters are voting for Lee because they like Lee and want him to win. On the flip side, only 49% of McMullen voters are voting for McMullen because they like McMullen. So uh, a, a larger share are, uh, sorry, that was a 47. A lar- I keep messing up, sorry. A larger share, 49% are voting for McMullen because they just don't like Lee. So 90% of Lee voters are voting for Lee because they like Lee. Only uh, like 47% of, of McMullen voters are voting because they like him. Most of them are voting just because they hate Lee. So that does tell you something about McMullen's support. I think, you know, it's Democrats. It's a small slice of Republicans who don't like Lee. And this tells us how McMullen can run a Senate race without really revealing where he stands on tough issues and never get asked a tough question because, you know, it's Utah Democrats and the Utah media that are just like, whatever it takes to get rid of Lee, we don't really care. It could be a bag of hammers taking no positions on anything. we, We will pump you in the media and make sure that you look good. Todd, any reflections on these polls? These last yeah, ones? I'm also looking right now at 538. Um, you're familiar with them. Yep. They've got very similar. They've got Mike Lee at 48.5% and Evan McMullen at 38.7%. Anyway, you slice it, Mike Lee's up by about 10% um, if you average these polls. You know, we've been told time and time again that either Evan's up by 1% or Mike's only up by 3%. I, I don't believe it. You don't believe it. And I think the I think this will this race will be pretty easy to call early on 
Tuesday night. This isn't going to be a nail biter like, you know, Ben McAdams and Mia Love or Ben McAdams and Burgess Owens. Um, so I think Mike Lee wins this one handily. Okay. So we're going to get your, you're going to, we're going to get your final prediction in just a minute, but let's talk about, uh, like a couple more tidbits just to wrap a bow around this and, and, uh, and finalize it here. So it's officially the most expensive race in Utah history. The two campaigns together have raised more than 18 million dollars and spent more than 15 million outside groups have added another 15, almost 16 million to either support or oppose. So for reference, the prior record was set in 2012 when uh, former Senator Hatch, he spent uh, over over 13 million. Of course, much of that was in the Republican primary. Uh, so the, of the amount in this race, Lee has raised 11 million. McMullen has raised 7 million for their own campaigns. I mean, McMullen raises 7 million for a challenger campaign in Utah is pretty significant. So I'll give him that. I mean, of course, most of it is from Democratic donors, but it is it is uh, you know noteworthy. Outside groups have spent more than 15 million, and we think that it's all club for growth. But in fact, the highest spender is put Utah first pack in favor of McMullen. They they spent 4.8 million, almost five million dollars, and then uh, Club for Growth comes in second at 4.3 million. So you have another you know almost you know five or six million dollars spent by by other groups as well. So obviously Club Club for Growth is funded by uh, conservative donors. Um, Utah First Pack funded by, like I said, uh, Democratic mega donors. Todd's any uh, any thoughts? You've watched a lot of races in Utah, and this one's expensive. Any any thoughts on that? Well, um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's the most expensive race. It's also the closest race for U.S. Senate we've had in a long, long time. It's also part of inflation, right? You know, we're we're living in a world of nine percent inflation. So I'm I'm not surprised that a race in 2022 is more expensive than a race in 2012, for example, or or a race in 2010. And um, I, I will say that I think most of Mike Lee's donors are donating because they they want Mike Lee to win. And I think most of Evan McMullen's donors are not donating to Evan McMullen, they're donating because they want Mike Lee to lose. <laughs> and so, right. and you've already reflected on that on some other likability uh, factors. And so I, I don't think there's a lot of people in the state that truly want to see Evan McMullen in the U.S. Senate. There's just some people in the state that want to see Mike Lee out of the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, thir- uh, $30, $35 million that have, that's being spent on that race alone. So it's a good jobs program for Utah. Yeah. And let me just say, if Evan McMullen were to win uh, in six years, the Utah Democrats would run a liberal against him. They, they really don't want Evan McMullen. Mm-hmm. And they just know that they can't beat Mike Lee. Time, uh, time for predictions, Todd. Why, why don't I go first? So over the summer, I, you know, of course I said, I said Lee would reach 60% in the GOP primary. And uh, I'm here to say I was right about that. Now I've also, also said during the summer that Lee would win by 10 points, 10, uh, 10, uh, the, the over under was 10, that he would win by over 10 points. So my, my prediction is that uh, he will win by more than 10 points. And I'll just, I'll just put a number out there. I'll say he wins by 13 points. We'll say 54 to 41. What do you think? I'm going to say 52 to 42, uh, 52 to 43. So, so nine, nine points. Yeah. Okay. All right. There it is. 
So we'll come back uh, next week. And and, and let me just say this. Uh, I, I know I've said this too privately. I don't think I've said it on our podcast, but if Evan McMullen is under 40% when all the votes are counted, this is a colossal failure for the Democrats because any any Democrat candidate, you know, that was a legitimate candidate would have gotten at least 33, maybe even 35% because Mike Lee does have some detractors. So it, by throwing their own candidate, Kale Weston, to the curb and hoping that, you know, they're going to, you know, this was the strategy, right, to beat Mike Lee. If they, if they can't get it above 39%, I think this, this was a colossal failure because by, by not having a Democrat in a statewide election on the ballot, they're hurting their down their down ballot candidates. So you might see two or three Democrat legislators in the state house lose on Tuesday night, who may have won if they had nominated Kel, Kel Weston and and tried to motivate Democrats to mail on those ballots. But the Democrats who are like, I'm not going to vote for Evan McMullen because I'm a liberal and he's he's just a Republican in sheep's clothing, you know. Um, I, I think I, I think their voter turnout is going to suffer by at least two or three percent, and two or three percent is enough, maybe to make Suzanne Harrison lose, maybe make enough uh, to, for Sim Gill to lose. I, I don't know, but I, I think their down ballot candidates in close races are being jeopardized by this um, misguided strategy. Yeah, that's a great point. And if, uh, if all they get out of it is picking up like six or seven percent of Republicans, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a tough trade. Or or right leaning independents. Yeah, right, right leaning. Okay, good. So that that's our guesses. Todd, what other uh, what other races are you watching on Tuesday? Well, um, so in Salt Lake County, since I started that, so there's a former, well, a current Utah House member named Suzanne Harrison, who's quite well liked um, in the House. I think um, she, she's a you know I consider her a friend. She's running against Richard Snowgrove, who I also like, and I'm kind of rooting for. Not because I don't like Suzanne, because I'm a Republican and Richard's a Republican. But um, Suzanne has outraised uh, Snowgrove. Harrison's outraised Snowgrove by a lot. I think like by three or four times, maybe five times. Um, you've been seeing her billboards in I-15. You've been hearing her ads on KSL. And, you know, she's a pretty moderate Democrat at times. Um, and so that's one to watch. Um, the other one, of course, is Sim Gill's race. Um, I think Sim Gill's running for, I think, his fourth term, fourth four-year term. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. Um, on Danielle On is his opponent, as I understand it. She's only three years out of law school, which you'd think, you know, that that wouldn't be a close race. I, you know, I don't know how close it is, but um, I think you'll you'll know if Republicans have really had a good night, if you see Sim Gill lose to Daniel on. And um, and then the other one that has gotten a lot of publicity because um, the Republican candidate, I think his name is pronounced Goud, is running uh, to replace Sherry Swenson as the Republican. And, uh, I, I, you know, the, the Tribune has kind of taken on him and they've taken on Trevor Lee as two, two people that are extremists. I think that the, there's a huge difference between Goud and Trevor Lee. Goud has a law degree and, um, you know, is, is fairly well educated. But he's also said some things in the past, uh, some of which he's run away from about, uh, you know, election conspiracy and, and, and stuff. And so the Salt Lake Tribune has been trying to hang, you know, that around his um, neck. And then, of course, the other race we've been talking about now for a couple of months is that ride-in race between 
Steve Handy and Trevor Lee. I don't know who's going to win that. I, I I think if I were betting on it, if I if you forced me to bet a thousand dollars and I'm not going to, I would bet probably on Lee because it's hard to win a ride-in race. But if Handy comes out on top, I'm not going to be surprised. Um, I would be surprised if Handy ran away with it. Lee was quoted in the in the Ogden Standard Examiner this week saying that he'll win by 20%. And and he might. This is Trevor Lee, because if it's 60-40. That's twenty percent win, and and by the way, if 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 Handy gets forty percent, that's that's a lot more than any other writing candidate usually gets. I had a write-in opponent uh, two years ago against me, and she got about five percent. So forty percent would be really good, but Handy needs at least fifty percent. Uh, well, he doesn't because there's a there's a libertarian in that race, so he needs probably forty eight forty nine percent to win. So that's that's really one to watch um, on the state. So the state senate. We don't have any competitive races, in my opinion. On the state house side, we've got one in Weber County, and um, uh, there's a Democrat there, uh, uh, Rosemary Lesser, um, who's a former OBGYN, um, and so she's you know she's in a swing district, and uh, you know that that's one to watch. It's in Weber County, and um, and then there's a couple um, House Democrats in, in in Salt Lake County who I think are in vulnerable. Uh, positions. One's Elizabeth Waite and one is Claire Collard. Um, I think those could go either way. I'm, I'll predict right now, I think Claire Collard will lose to um, uh, to, to her Republican challenger, I'm trying to think of uh, Anthony Lubay, and he's running for the second time. So he came close two years ago, and that district has been redistricted, you know, and so I think it's a little bit more Republican than it was um, uh, two years ago. And then there's two Demo there's two Republicans who are in close races, um, Jim Dunnigan in the House. I think I think he'll hold on. And then Judy Weeks Rohner in West Valley City. And I know she's been really nervous, but she's been working hard. So those are the races to watch. Good. That's that, that's a good overview. So um, just a couple that you that you mentioned. I think the, the Salt, Lake, Salt Lake County District Attorney race is an important one. I mean, I think Sim Gill is just one of these longtime incumbents. He's just a disaster. He's one of these left-wing DAs who doesn't really believe in actually prosecuting criminals, far more worried about uh, coddling the criminals than obtaining justice for victims. And I, it's true, Danielle on is, she's young. Uh, but you know what? She does have a vision to actually fight crime, which I, I think, you know, she's she's gone out there and as young as she is, has been pretty impressive. She has the endorsement of Salt Lake Police Association and Governor Cox, so... I think that one's interesting. And uh, the one you mentioned, the Salt Lake County Council, Richard Snellgrove against Suzanne Harrison. We had Suzanne Harrison on the on the podcast. And I think, you know, she was a she seems like, uh, you know, a great person. I know you're friends with her. She's a doctor. She's a good campaigner. Um, I just think she's wrong for the job, though. You know, it should be a, she is somewhat moderate, but she'd be another vote for mandates and uh, the covid hysteria. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So, you know, we're. Hopefully we're not headed back into another COVID lockdown, you know, debate, but uh, yeah, absolutely. She would have been a, a vote for, for mandates yeah. and masks. And Let's talk about the, uh, the national, let's do some national predictions. Um, I'm just going to, why don't I start? I think, uh, I think in the house, we're going to pick up around, uh, Republicans will pick up around 25 seats. What well, makes it a little bit difficult to get uh, to get 60 like we got in 2010 or something like that is there actually were quite a few pickups in 2020. President Trump uh, lost to Biden, president to now President Biden, but uh, Republicans actually picked up seats in uh, in that in that election. 
And there are actually, you know, just from just the way you could call it gerrymandering, but I think it's even more so it's just the way people have sorted themselves in America. There's just fewer seats that are that are in play. So if you know that if we get more than 23, 24 seats, that it is just a massive night for for Republicans. And that is absolutely a wave. And uh, I'll say in the in the U.S. Senate, um, there's not that many races that are that are up that are that are really there for the pickings. But I think, you know, earlier in the spring, I think we were very hopeful. And then over the summer, it should be it should be pointed out. A lot of folks are saying, you know, the Supreme Court decision on abortion just really changed the tide. And and I think in some ways it changed attitudes. But I think more than anything, what happened was a ton of money was spent kind of attacking Republicans, especially in Senate races where they had they were really in the midst of their own primaries. So in Georgia, there was a tough primary, you know, in uh, Arizona, there was a tough primary in, uh, in Ohio, there was a tough primary. So basically you have Republicans beating each other up while the pro-abortion groups just started spending a ton of money attacking Republicans because the Democrats had had basically decided on who their people were going to be. So, you know, come, uh, come fall, when Republicans are have the races are the primaries are cleared and now we know who the candidates are and they're going to start spending spending money to inform the voters about these Democratic candidates. Well, all of a sudden the the independents are like, "Well, wait a second, <laughs> I don't like crime. <laughs> I, you know, I don't like what this stuff that this crazy stuff is being taught in schools. I don't like the fact that milk is twice as expensive. I don't I don't like the fact that a carton of eggs now costs six bucks at Walmart." And uh, and so I think that's what's really changed. So anyway, my I, I'm going to say that uh, Republicans hold Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and everywhere else. Republicans do not lose a seat. And we pick up Nevada, Georgia and either Arizona or New Hampshire to finish with 5347, which, you know, is a is a slim majority. But we'll talk about this later. But uh, the 2024 races are is very much uh in uh in in republicans hands to pick up quite a few seats i mean it would not be impossible it would be hard but it would not be impossible after 2024 to have 60 republican seats just because there's that many democrats in uh in republican states or in moderate seats that uh that are there for the chopping block so anyway i'm going to say house 25 pickups in the senate uh it's a plus three what's your prediction todd yeah i think we're going to end up after, you know, so we're down eight, right? The House is controlled by Democrats for by net eight votes, right? So five. Think, yeah, when dust start. settles, I think the Republicans will be plus thirty in the House. Um, is my prediction. So a little bit more optimistic than yours, and I'm going to say fifty-two Republicans in the Senate or higher. I'm not sure that we're going to win Pennsylvania. I think we are. I think we could win uh, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, and Colorado. I don't think you mentioned Colorado. I think there's a shot in New Hampshire. So um, I think um, we've won Wisconsin, um, but that's that's yeah, it's already Republican there. So um, but I think even if we lose Pennsylvania, um, um, I, I think we'll still be at 52. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly which of those states we're going to win. But so if, I, I think we're about the same. I'm 52. I won't be surprised if it's three, 53. I won't be surprised if it's 54. I really would be surprised if the Republicans lose control of the Senate. So. Um, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a plus fifty two, right. and I think the biggest shock will be how many 
of these governor races we pick up, Washington State, Oregon, New York, many others. Um, so, you know, and those don't, you know, people don't talk about those as much, but they're they're a big deal. Certainly new Democrats losing New York would be a huge and huge, Oregon and Washington. Yeah, a huge deal. Uh, so our friend of the podcast, uh, Skylar Beltran, he's chair of the Utah County GOP. He made a great observation this week. Uh, J- JMC Analytics posted the early vote tabulations in Nevada. And early voting in Nevada has Republicans way up from the presidential year of 2020. And again, just, just to remind everyone, midterm elections, the turnout is usually far lower than, than presidential elections. But, but it looks now like the turnout for 2022 is going to rival or, or surpass the 2000 and 2004 elections, presidential and, and I think elections. That, I hope that's true nationwide. It will not be true in Utah. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, our midterms are never the same as presidential. So we're not going to, I don't think we'll eclipse 2020. And 2018 was an unusual midterm. And you might have forgotten this. Uh, and I want to remind our viewers in 2018, we had uh, the medical use of marijuana on the ballot. We had redistricting on the ballot and we had Medicaid expansion on the ballot. And so uh, between that and the, you know, and the ordinary, um, elections like Mitt Romney, um, we had a, an incredible turnout for a midterm in 2018, and I don't think I don't think we'll eclipse that. I think um, I think most people know that Mike Lee is going to win. Um, I just don't think I don't think we will eclipse 2018 or 2020, but I still think our turnout will be healthy. That's yeah, that's a good point about what was on the ballot then. Um, well, let me finish this thought about that that the Scott I brought up because he he was just saying so the debt. Based on the tabulations in Nevada, Democrats are running about even um, to for 2020, but Republicans are are way up, and so it's a net swing of 45,000 votes in Nevada for Republicans, and obviously that's a bad bad sign for Democrats in Nevada, not just for the Senate race, but Nevada Democrats they have the legislature, they have the, the governorship, they try to gerrymander their congressional districts to shore up Susie Lee and Stephen Horsford, and the Democratic legislature they they moved kind of democratic areas out of Dina Titus's district to kind of shore up those other two because there's three Democrats and one Republican. Now it looks like that plan is probably going to backfire. Uh, I, all three, all three of them could lose on Tuesday. I think definitely Susie Lee and Dina Titus are particularly vulnerable. So that could be really interesting. And something that I've been wanting to mention, and I keep forgetting, uh, remember that uh, supposedly the the voting laws in Georgia were you know, a step back to what what uh, President Biden called uh, Jim Crow 2.0. In other words, like there's a, a massive voter suppression of Democrats and African-Americans. Well, in Georgia, they have the highest turnout they've ever had for any election ever um, for, 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 that, for absentee voting, for their early voting. Jim Crow 2.0, where Georgians have already voted at a far higher pace than they ever have in early voting. And all that has been done before New York has even started their early voting. So, so uh, that gives you a sense for where we're at in the country. Anyway, I think we're in for a big night. Any, uh, any final thoughts you have, Todd? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, historically, remember, you know, if the president's Republican, usually the midterm goes against Republicans. If the president's a Democrat, then it goes against Democrats. So Obama had historic losses in Congress during um, his first midterm election, what was that, 20, 
2010. Um, yep. I think this will be bigger because the you know you've got the Af- the fallout from the draw uh, the drawdown from Afghanistan. You've got inflation. You've got an impending recession. You've got you know supply chain problems. I mean just you know, you've got the stock market. <laughs> I mean, Biden was out there bragging about the stock market for months and months and months. And now that it's, you know, it's gone down, uh, he doesn't say a word about it. Just like he takes credit when gas prices drop from $5 to three fifty, And now that they're going back up above $4, he, he stopped talking about it. And people aren't stupid. Um, and I'm not going to pretend like the president has can wave his wand and change gas prices. But when he takes credit for them going down, then he deserves criticism if they go back up. And I, I just think that that's fair. 100%. And folks uh, should should note that in 2010, Republicans picked up 60 seats in the House. But that's because in 2006 and 2008, Democrats won a bunch of seats that they had no business winning. And so that's Republicans fair. were able to take those back. That's so fair. we're really talking about Mar- the what's what's the what are the numbers? And uh, if if Republicans were to pick up 25 seats on Tuesday, that puts them at at uh, so right right now they have 2000 or 212 so 25 would be two you know two, two uh 37 and uh the high water mark is like 242 or 243 something like that so anything anything in the 230s or definitely in the 240s for the for the total number is uh historic yeah and i'm glad you mentioned it earlier because people forgot that even though trump lost in 2020 we picked up a whole bunch of what was it like 30 seats in the house 35 seats in the house the, well, the net ended up being about 12, but yeah, there was, was only 12. Still, okay. Yeah. But we picked up, we did better in the house than we were expected to. All right. That's it. That's all the time we got. Thanks. All right. Time. Thanks, Corey. We'll see you next Can't week. Can't wait. Okay. See you. Bye-bye.